Well, hey, we are here again, and uh, I'm sorry this is the second week, but uh, yeah, it's just what we're having to do right now. And so um, I just want to say right off the bat, Edgewood, I miss you, church. Uh, Sunday wasn't the same. Um, I know many of you expressed the same. You miss being a part of church, and I think you recognize that nothing um, replaces being gathered as a church. And so we're doing our best. We're trying to minister uh, even from a distance. It doesn't replace it. We realize that, and so we're trying to even think how this will look like in the next few weeks. So pray for us. Pray for us as as pastors and as elders as we kind of plan and decide what uh, this is going to look like each week. Um, I, I remember many times over the years traveling and being away from my wife and my kids and being very thankful for my iPhone and, and for technology of FaceTime call. But uh, you know, as well as I do, that's a, that's a pale substitute to being with her, to being next to her. Um, and so we're going to try our best here as a church to, to um, serve you um, as we're distanced in this way. Um, but it won't satisfy those longings that we have to be with one another. Um, and I've been looking forward to, in fact, dreaming of what it will look like the next time we get to meet and gather together. And man, how rich that will be, right? Um, seeing people that we hadn't seen and probably by that time for many weeks uh, and rejoicing again for the time to gather and to worship our Savior. And, and it reminds me again of what a foretaste that will be for what heaven is going to be like when we when we land there. Um, it's going to, this, this, this waiting, this, this, um, this intermediate time of, of just trying to do our best is, is really a foretaste of what the Christian life is waiting to get to heaven and, and to see our Lord. And I'm reminded of the passage in first Corinthians 13 for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. So now we see face to face on a screen. I can't see you can see me, but we're doing the best we can. But one day we will see face to face each other in worship. And one day, ultimately our savior. So we look forward to that time. But in the meantime, friends, I want to encourage you um, to make good use of this opportunity. Um, there's still much to be done. I don't want you to waste this time. Um, and I want to encourage you, church, if you're spending the majority of your time on the news, um, I want to say lovingly as your pastor, stop. I love you, but stop. Don't spend the majority of your time on the news. Um, it's stop dwelling a lot of hours in the news. Um, I, I know that there's many in our church family that don't have that luxury right now. You are continuing to work, to go in and stay safe and to stay healthy. But there's some that have this added amount of minutes and hours per day. And I want to encourage you, don't spend that watching the news. Um, don't dwell there. Perhaps a better option, one that I really needed to challenge myself and land differently was um, is limiting our, our news intake. So here's one option. When you get in the morning, uh, when you get up for the morning, uh, first thing you do, you know, read your Bible, spend time in the word, uh, read through whatever you're normally reading through. And then the text that we're going to cover next week, which will be first Corinthians 13, read through the chapter every day, soaking in on what God's word says. And then 
and then spend some time praying for your family and for your friends. And, and there's a list and we're going to give you some more of those resources this week. And then I would pray, encourage you to take the church director that we've given you in the past and just start picking uh, the first letter, those with the last name A, and pray through them that day, even if you don't know them. And then the next day, next day, and, and use this as a resource for praying. And then, and only then, after you spent time in the Word and time praying, then set an alarm or set a time, 30 minutes, and check the news. Read the news. Read what's happened in the last uh, 12 hours since you've been sleeping or looked at it last and, and set that timer. 30 minutes, I'm going to read the news. And then when it goes off, you put it away. You, you don't dwell in that. If you have more time during the day, find something else to do. Read a book. I have lots of books that I can recommend to you. But don't let the news capture and dominate your heart. Read the scriptures. Read a good book. Spend time with, with people in your family, in your house. Or if you're by yourself, look to make some phone calls to people. Use the church directory and call some people. Even if you don't know them, just introduce yourself on the phone and spend some time. Um, and so that's my exhortation. And then and then at the evening after dinner, um, maybe then spend another 30 minutes to catch up on the news. But but friends, let's, let's not look to spend endless amount of time dwelling in the hopelessness of our news channels. They're not there to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. They're, that's not their job. But as a pastor, I want to encourage you to do that, to spend time in the word and time in prayer and let that feed you and encourage you. But this morning, I want to exhort you from, from the scriptures. And so Galatians 5 is the passage that we're going to look at. And so if you have a Bible's turn and look at that with me, I'm using the English Standard Version, the ESV, and we're going to look at um, verses 16 through 26, Galatians 5. And so it would be good if you have it open to follow with me as I read. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have been have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us all also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Friends, beliefs don't automatically produce a changed life. God changes lives. Beliefs don't automatically make us more loving or gracious or patient. God, through the Holy Spirit, brings those changes. And today begins this weird and unusual journey through the, through the, through the Spirit. And, and, and to do it online on, on a video, and, and I'm praying that perhaps it'll be a, a good help to you and generate good discussion in your home or with your friends. As I said in the email that we sent out this week, I want to encourage you to, to get online if you're able to order a copy of Jerry Bridges' book, A Fruitful Life. And uh, it's eight or nine dollars, maybe 10, I'm not sure, through Amazon. Um, encourage you to get a copy of this. Um, it'll be a good resource as we go through each one of these 
these uh, fruit of the spirit. Um, if you're also wanting to fill more time, um, I can encourage you to encourage you to join our book group that was in the email also um, and purchase this book online. It's um, Christian Beliefs, 20 Basics Every Christian Should Know. And so email me. A few people, just a couple have emailed me and let me know about this. But we're just going to kind of um, walk our walk our way through this book and do it virtually either through email or video chat. And we're not sure, but um, I want to encourage you, if you're looking to fill more time, to join that, that book group and, and read through it. Also, I want to encourage you, there's a chance that we're going to we're going to try something new here of a digital prayer meeting. And so those, those details were in the church letter that we sent or, and they were published on the blog. You can go to our, our website and, and read the latest blog posts and get those details. But at 5:30 on Wednesday, we're going to join together digitally um, on the computer. Or if you don't have a computer, you can call in. There's a number there that's listed and join into our prayer meeting. And we'll give more details as it gets closer uh, to Wednesday. But now we're going to look at Galatians 5, walking in the Spirit. So uh, the first point uh, I want to, uh, if you're taking notes, is when we walk by the Spirit, we will not please the flesh. When we walk by the Spirit, we will not please the flesh. So I know that some of you are baseball fans. In 1995, uh, Major League Baseball season for the Seattle Mariners could have easily been the very last baseball season for this city. Your team was not good. For years prior, and the fan base had dwindled down, but yet with every new season, there's a renewed hope with the fan base, and by halfway through that 95 season, uh, your team was playing very well, and, and this rookie was emerging, getting more playing time. Do you know who that was? Alex Rodriguez. Although the M's didn't win the World Series in 95, and they should have. A-Rod would become a fixture of this team. He had 40-plus home runs in 98, in 99, in 2000. But then the fall of 2000 came. And A-Rod, one of the best shortstops in Mariners history, left. Right? Do you remember? He betrayed the city, flying to Texas for more cash. And and if you are a Mariners fan, you, you probably felt a little betrayed that he just left for more money, that's essentially. And I wonder, did any of you enjoy watching Erod on television in those Rangers colors? And then the next season, belting a, a major league leading 52 home runs for the Texas Rangers. Even 20 years later now, Seattle fans have nothing good to say about Erod. He would eventually land on the dreaded New York Yankees. Winning a World Series in 2009, he would win multiple MVP awards in his career. But not one of those awards did he win in the Mariners' blue jersey. Now, what does this have to do with, with this talk in, a, in Galatians 5? Now, A-Rod changed jerseys. And I believe thinking through what jersey you're wearing is key to the Christian life. To call yourself a Christian is to say you've changed teams. You put on a new jersey. It says you have new allegiances. But what would you think of someone who put on a new jersey but kept playing for the old team? So to keep the sports analogy going, the Seahawks make this tremendous trade, the trade of the century, and a player that the team has looked for and bring in, and, and you sign for millions upon dollars, and yet he still plays for another team. You would be frustrated, upset. How, how, this doesn't make sense. You, you paid for him. You had a lot of money, but he continues to play for another team. 
But friends, if, if you're a Christian, you have changed loyalties and you're no longer living for the world. You're no, no longer living for what the world lives for. Your, your sole allegiance is to God and his directions for your life come from the scriptures. And here is where Paul, writing this letter to the Christians who are in the church in Galatia, they were redeemed by Christ. And so there was no way they should continue to live for the enemy. They've changed jerseys. Now they need to continue to live for the team they're on. So he says in verse 16, I say to you, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. But the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And as Christians, we should be looking, always looking to crucify the flesh, to not try to, to gratify the flesh. The way of the spirit is the way of freedom and the way of the flesh is the way of bondage and the power that opposes God. The word flesh here is the Greek word sarx, which I think is a fitting name, sarx, the flesh, which is lust and, and competition against the spirit. Living the way of the spirit is what we most deeply want as Christians, yet our sinful nature continues to generate alternative and competing desires, which we experience and then we can give into. This is a mystery, yet the Christian is both sinful desires and yet godly desires. Well, when you hear this word, lust of the flesh, what do you think of, though, friend? You think of that list there in, the, in the verses 19 through 21 that I read earlier. I mean, it all seems to sound very fleshly, right? Drunkenness, sexual immorality, lust of the flesh, right? But yet don't miss the chunk there in the middle, the enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. You see, there's some that you, there's some sins here that you need your body to do that, that's not on this list. The lust of the flesh isn't just sins we commit with our body, but really these sins are, are the sins of the soul, of our heart and mind. And so when Paul says not to gratify the desires of the flesh, it's not just those, those body sins. It's body and mind. And Paul knew this struggle. He talked about it in the book of Romans, chapter 7, verse 18 and 20. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. See, Paul knew this struggle very well. And so he's encouraging the brethren, his, his brothers and sisters in the Lord in Galatia to, as well. It's a sense that when um, they need to continue this pursuit in this battle, in the sense that when you become a Christian, you don't lose that struggle, but rather the struggle takes place in a different way. You are losing the old fight and beginning a new fight. Before you became a Christian, you were struggling against God. Now as a Christian, you're struggling and fighting against the flesh. You, you fought against God before, but now as a Christian, you fight against the flesh. And to live without God is like trying to pull a wagon without wheels. You can't drag it and it kind of sort of work, but eventually it will just disintegrate. It will be less and less of a wagon and, and you're leaving parts all over the place. But when God comes into your life to live inside of you, it's like the wheels have been put on and you can finally use it the way it's meant to be used. And yet you still trip. You, you can't walk straight and you can't walk fast on your own. There's a difference because you have power and you have the freedom to move, but you're not perfected yet. And God has placed in you a new motivation now for walking that you didn't have before. It's still not ideal. You have the a side of you that is still steers in and off of the path 
but the, the fight is different. The struggle now as a Christian isn't against God. It's against yourself, your flesh. And that's what I believe Paul is teaching us here. So the old fight was against God. And you had to lose that one to win. But now the new fight for the Christian is against your old self. And you have to win this fight. You have to continue this fight. And the more you fight, the more strength you have. I hear this is true with running, right? You used to hear runners say that you push and push and, and you keep running until there's this wall and you break through and you have more energy, more endurance, more strength to keep going. And the old fight against God, you wore down. But this new fight against the flesh builds you up. The more you fight, the stronger you grow. But I, I know and I've seen there are those people who call themselves Christian, but there's no fight in their life at all. You don't see them warring against the flesh. They give in and they give in all too soon every opportunity. They're limping through the Christian life. And if you call yourself a Christian, there has to be a fight against the flesh. You have to war against the flesh. And God saw fit to give us some opportunities in the battle of the flesh right now. Right? When fear wants to overtake our lives and our minds and our hearts and raise our anxiety levels, we should battle against it. And right now, and when the temptation to succumb to sexual immorality because you're stuck at home and you have unlimited access to internet, and friends, you need to battle against the lust of the flesh and put the smartphone down and close the computer. And friends, very simply and very bluntly, if there is no fight in your life, it could be because of a lack of a real all-out allegiance to the master. You might have said that you've switched teams, that you put on the jersey of a Christian. Really, you're still playing for the other team. You don't fight against the flesh because you're not a Christian. You secretly live like the world, telling everyone that you're a Christian. And perhaps today, friends, perhaps in the midst of this pandemic, God is going to use closed doors in your life, a quarantine, to save you, to redeem you, to humble you, and to draw you to himself. Man, I wish I could see you face to face. And, and express to you personally how much I've been praying for you. And so, friends, if you're struggling through this, if you have questions more about that, I want to encourage you to reach out to me, reach out to one of the other elders and pastors. We'd love to talk to you. And I implore you, trust in Christ, friends. Turn from your sin of selfishness and pride and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you do, reach out to us. Let us know how we can help you and walk alongside you. So first, when we walk by the Spirit, we're not pleased to flesh. Second, when we're led by the Spirit, we're not in bondage. When we're led by the Spirit, we are not in bondage. It says in verse 18, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law, but the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, those that are led by the Spirit are not under the law. They don't perform to be accepted. And what the Bible says to us is that you're either living a life in works-based righteousness or 
living out consciously, reminding yourself that you're completely accepted by God and loved by him because of Jesus Christ. And what we read in verses 19 through 21 is the list that every Christian should be fighting against in their lives. We have these two drives in our life, like a computer. My wife needed some help loading something onto her computer this week, and I had to select a drive that it was going to go onto and which one it would operate from. And, and we all have, as, as humans, these two drives as Christians, the drive of the flesh and the drive of the spirit. And it's the job of the Christian to constantly push yourself out of the drive of the flesh and, and, and to live in the drive of the spirit. And so if you're obeying what the authorities have told you and you're not leaving your house, you're staying there as much as you possibly can, and you have other people living in that house with you, you have lots of opportunities right now to be aware of your tendency to fall back into the drive of the flesh. Are any of you parents have had any strife in your home with the kids that walk around it this week? I have. Any fits of anger? Any rivalries? Yeah, we've got some of that. But not only just in our home, but in my own heart, you know, I'll just share. I'm, I'm, I'm online too. I, I'm, I'm talking to other pastors, trying to navigate this time. And, and I'll, my tendency sometimes is to compare myself. How, how am I lining up with, with them? And it's, it's one of two choices. Am I, am I lining up to a spot where I feel better about myself? Well, that's rivalry. Or do I feel bad about myself? Well, that's jealousy. You see, God in his strange and wonderful providence brought a pandemic to our lives right now to bring these areas in my life and my heart to the surface so that I can repent of them and, and switch to living in the drive of the Spirit. And honestly, that's been my focus this last week because they're, they're, they're deep in my soul. God is still mining out for me to see. You know, I, I keep thinking through this as your pastor people continue to give and I praise the Lord people give and contribute to the church and then I think that I have to deliver because you're giving at least that's what I keep telling myself it's it's an embarrassing thing to admit to you church but it's true and I can operate out of the flesh drive very easily even while I'm preaching and I have to confess I have to forsake those lusts of the flesh and I have to pursue the spirit to change me that I'm operating out of the Spirit's drive to honor and glorify Him. See, friends, a, a Christian is someone who can see the worst of himself or herself, and because of the gospel and the framed conscience, they can know that they're accepted by God because of Jesus Christ. And so we can face the worst of ourselves because it's not the basis in which we're accepted by God. We're accepted by God through Jesus Christ. He sees you in his son. And when you are led by the spirit, you're reminded you're not in the bondage of the flesh, that God has set you free. And so when you're led by the spirit, we're not in bondage, we're free. So we've seen when we walk by the spirit first, when we walk by the spirit, we will not please the flesh. Second, when we're led by the spirit, we're not in bondage. And third, when we keep in step with the spirit, we will see growing fruit. And this is the last part and really the, the, the framework of all that we're going to cover in this series. It says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us 
also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. It is here the, the fruit of the Spirit, singular, not fruits of the Spirit. They are fruit growing together. And you can look over this list and say, yeah, I have kindness and I have goodness, but I'm not a self-controlled person. That's not my gift. Now, you might recognize that you have an aptitude towards a few that are listed, but that doesn't mean you check out of the rest and say, well, that's not my gift. I'm not going to do it. But that's not what he says. It's fruit, singular. They're all connected. You, you can't have one and not the other. But friends, don't get discouraged because you might not see the fruit of patience. But if you're a Christian, it's there. Even if, in a small embryonic state, it's there. And so I want to quickly go through the list, and we're going to take more time the next nine weeks as we go over these through these um, separate uh, lists here of the fruit of the Spirit. And so the first one that you see is love, and next week we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13, so read through that passage. Love. Love is serving the needs of other people for their sake and not your own. So if you're growing in love, you're not giving up on people. If you're growing in love, you're showing less and less favoritism in your relationships. And then joy. Enjoying the Bible means to, to delight in God for who he is and himself and not what, not what he gives you. So if you're growing in joy, no matter, when no matter the circumstances, your happiness doesn't fluctuate. Your, your joy is set in God, not what's going on around you. And peace. Peace is trusting in God. So if you're growing in peace, you're becoming less and less anxious and worried all the time. Is that true of you this week, friends? Are you growing in peace? Now, friends, you need to pause and just praise God for his providence. I set up this sermon schedule in November of last year. And, and don't you, I know I do, don't you need these, these reminders right now and see how God provided months ago that we would be dealing with these things, walking through these things right now. Well, the next one, patience. Patience is the ability to suffer and even to be wronged without freaking out and becoming bitter. And in kindness and goodness, these two basically come together. We will separate them for different messages, but they're about integrity. A person of integrity is someone who's, who's the same in one group as another group. You're the same in private as you are in public. You're honest at home, and you're honest in front of, of your friends and your coworkers. And then there's faithfulness. This means fearlessness, reliability, and courage. This is fidelity, a staunch look on your life to follow through with what you've committed to with God's strength. And then gentleness, that's humility. It's self-forgetfulness. It's not worrying about how you look. Now, how in worrying about what others think of you. And how quick are we to, to show someone else they are wrong? Could we possibly, though, absorb it and show them that we care about them? Gentleness means sensitivity and, and humbleness and being a peacemaker and a good listener. So, friends, how are you doing on all these? Are, are you growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control? That's the last one. And when you have all the other eight, you have self-control. And I want to tell you how much a challenge this is. And so most of you will take a look at this list and will notice some things that you're good at and some things that you're not so good at. And, and you say, maybe I have a couple of these, but I really don't have much of those. And so I'm really a, a loving person, but I'm not much of a peaceful person. I'm filled with anxiety. 
And friends, the, the point of all this is that you can't just take a few and then leave the other. It's recognizing these areas that you're maybe have a natural affinity to, but then others you need to grow in. We need to be growing in all of these. It's, it's one package. It's fruit, not fruits. So I'm going to stop myself. I, I could go into each one of these because Lord willing, in the next few weeks, we're going to tackle each one of these um, uh, through the next nine weeks. We'll, we'll pause for Easter and we're, we're working on an Easter service that we're going to stream online um, for you as a church. But uh, we're going to look at each one of these fruits. And so what we're going to do, here's the plan of what each week will look like. We will look at what the fruit is and so certain paths of scripture that we have, and you'll get that ahead of time. And they will try to discern what the opposite of that fruit may be. You could call it, we're looking for the fake, the, the weed, so that we can pull that out and, and grow in the actual fruit. And then we'll look also for some counterfeit fruits along the way. And then last, we'll look to how we can apply these fruits to our church family as we're scattered in, in, in life right now. So I want to encourage you to follow with us, reading the passage during the week. When you read your Bible, come prepared, reading the, the passage beforehand on Sunday and, and look to, to learn and to grow and apply to your life. And, and so look over this list, you know, perhaps memorize this Galatians 5 passage through the Spirit and, and pray through it every, every day, um, asking God to show you areas where you need to grow. And, and, and look for two or three that you're really growing and praise God for that. And, and then find one or two that you, you recognize that you're not growing and you want to work on those specifically and ask God to do that. But reminding you again, verse 16, I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. So remember, friends, this is a day-to-day -day fight. Uh, keep waging war against the flesh. And finish the day every day resting in Christ. Don't forget the gospel this week. Keep reminding yourself of the gospel, of what Jesus Christ has done and accomplished for you on the cross. So I'm going to pray now and keep encouraging you to pray for one another. If you have some prayer needs or some physical needs, um, church family, please let us know. Email us at membercare at edgewoodbiblechurch.org. That's membercare at edgewoodchurch.org edgewoodbiblechurch.org, and we'll respond to that. I want to encourage you, if you're able, to join us for the prayer meeting this Wednesday at 530, and I want to keep encouraging you, church, to keep giving as the Lord leads you to give. That's our form of worship. Um, we have a number of commitments that we have as a church family to missionaries that serve in foreign fields and to the staff here in the church, so uh, look, look to do that. You can either give online through the website, or you can mail your contributions or on Wednesdays, um, the office will be open. There will be someone here in the office if you want to drop off your contributions, but look to worship God through giving uh, each week. Um, and then the last one I'll remind you again is, is um, just if you haven't already, um, get your prayer guide out. If you need a copy, email us in the church. We can email you a copy. Um, you can also just open up your church directory on the app or on the website or on the um, church office online, and, and just pray through the church. Keep functioning like the church. Encourage one another. And so let me pray now, and then we'll be done. Father, we recognize this morning that you are good. You are a good God, and we thank you for this season in our lives. It's not ideal, and we would rather be gathering together this morning. But in your providence, um, you've brought this and help us to accept it. 
Help us to recognize this is the new normal for now. Trust in you. Grow us this week to love you more. Help us to love others also. We recognize that even though we don't gather, we're still the church where we are at home. And I pray that we can be the church. We can love one another. I pray that we would grow in this time. Virtually, as we study your word, that we'd love one another. Help us to care for one another in ways that are new. That we would pick up the phone this week and call someone in the church directory that we don't know and introduce ourselves and get to know them and encourage them to tell them what we're learning in the scripture, to ask them what they're learning, to pray with them on the phone, even just for a few moments. God, I pray that we can do that as a church. Give us strength to be following you, to rest in you, to remember your promises, to call them to mind. Help us, Father, instill in us a love for one another, loving for you and, and stretching ourselves to serve you wherever you've placed us. We thank you for this time. And now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.